So here's the truth. We were supposed to have somebody else on the program. Yeah, no, don't don't mention his name. Because we're going to get him on. You we keep saying that. Him. How many times has he pulled the shoot on us? Well, three, four. Uh, let's, you keep putting every time every time there's know, a lineup come out, his name is on the lineup. I know, I know, I know. And I know. Hugh and I, our technical director and I, always roll our eyes and say, "Oh yeah, sure." Okay. Well, when when he comes on, we're gonna grill him. You know. Well, I don't think he's ever coming on. I think he's, he's coming on with you. He's coming on. He's coming on. Yeah, that's what you keep saying. I'm not getting any younger. I could die before he comes on. <laughs> Maybe what if he's get... on next? What if he's on Tuesday? Well, I might be dead by Tuesday. Okay. You don't know that. Why don't we get his boss on and give his boss crap for him not coming on? What did we do no, to him? I don't know. He's we're been gonna on before. Him. We're going to ask him did when we he comes on. We didn't treat him like crap, did we? No, he said he'd love to come on anytime. Well, what what the name of the baby Jesus is okay. the problem? Then. I know. We'll solve that next week. Anyway, so we had to enlist a... Um, our go to list. It's our go to list. No, we have to we have to get a replacement player. Yeah. It's kind of like when they have those strikes and they bring in all the guys from nowhere. <laughs> uh, or Al or Alliston, just depending on same thing. Yeah. So um fortuitously we have uh we have a guy in the wings all the time who we love to talk to, and I think you guys like to listen to him. And um he really needs reads no needs no introduction. I see there's thousands of people right now going, who is it? 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 They're trying to guess. Yeah. Well, you won't be disappointed. The former program director of the fan in Toronto, Nelson Millman, will uh, join us once. Should again. be in the broadcasters hall of fame. You know, he really should be. Hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred. Even though I, I know he's he's a dear friend of both of ours, but he should be in whatever hall of fame is in for broadcasting in our country, Nelson should be in it. You ain't getting an argument from me, pal. Uh, Nelly Belly, when we come back after these messages. It's uh, McCown and Shannon back on the uh, program for this uh, Thursday. Uh, our guest today is um, a person who needs no introduction if you've followed uh, our miserable little careers over the years. Um, he likes to call himself Phil In, <laughs> but... It's actually Nelson Millman, <laughs> the former program director of uh, The Fan. The, pr the producer tells me that he's on that list on the left side of the desk that says, when in doubt, go to Nelson. Because Nelson will always have good stories. Well, when, uh, when I get a note, you know, at 11 o'clock at night that says, uh, <laughs> can you do me a favor? That's right. And, I, and well, I made the mistake of saying, sure, anything like John all the time. I yeah, didn't before ask you knew what the favor was. I didn't you know. ask for money. You buried the lead on me, Shannon. I just didn't ask for money. That's the key. <laughs> well, um, hopefully you'll tell some stories that'll be um, moderately interesting. And uh, even more importantly, ones that I haven't heard already, but I doubt that's the case. Yeah, right back at you, pal. Yeah, you ain't, you ain't kidding. Oh. After all the years that you and I spent together. but <laughs> I want to know uh, who, had their, who had their feet up on the desk more. That'd be me. Well, my feet were on the desk if I was in there alone. And as soon as Bob came in, I left them up there because <laughs> yeah. but I just had to make room for his. That's right. And if anybody else, I'll tell you what, if anybody else had tried to put their feet on my desk, sorry about that, um, there would have been a bit of a discussion. Oh, yeah. But it was Bob. I got, <laughs> when I got the bigger office, it was easier because he was on the other side of the room on the couch. 
Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a, a, a story. Like I am a feet up on the uh, coffee table kind of guy all the time. And here's the truth. Before we started doing TV, before the show was simulcast on television, and we were in the old studio, which was this tiny little box. Mm-hmm. But the way the desk was configured and the way the microphone moved, I could actually put my feet up and, on the desk and pull the microphone towards me. And I many times did the show in a reclined position with my feet propped up on the desk. Actually, I believe you refined, you refined that move uh, the years you were doing the show from Vegas. Well, I, I, did. Saw, I saw the setup down there. Vegas was always feet up on the desk. Yeah. Um, and then we, and then somebody had the brilliant idea to put this stupid show on television. And that was the end of that. Although the old the minute, stupid show or this stupid show? No, the other stupid show. Oh, okay. Um, although the minute a commercial break hit, I was doing one of two things. Either I was downstairs having a cigarette or I was sitting in the studio with my feet up on the desk. Mm-hmm. And, and, then we, and the rest of us were in the uh, in, in the elevator lobby punching buttons to make sure that it didn't get back on time you know, so. <laughs> well that happened a couple times yeah the worst one was uh, 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 you were caught in the elevator and Stephen Brunt was your co-host and the last thing Stephen Brunt ever wanted to do was sit was in host. the one chair oh I know that was just something he you know what God bless him great writer great broadcaster but he did not ever want to sit in the one chair and come back from a break, and um, and the and the day he was he was forced to. I, I'm not sure that um, uh, he didn't leave a little uh, wet spot there. Going <laughs> to say he had to because Bob was it. stuck in the elevator. Where's Bob? I don't know. I mean, he's still got 15 seconds. I'm sure he'll be back. No, he didn't make it. No, he didn't make it. Now the elevator the lit- elevator literally broke, and um, first I had to find the stairs because I'd never used them. I didn't know where they were. And, and it was five floors up. And it was five floors up, yeah. yeah. So And then I get in there, and of course... <laughs> well, I, think, I, think the, uh, I think whoever was, uh, was on, the, uh, on the board producing uh, probably ran out of commercials to play uh, uh, waiting for you. And, and now, this, so this would be at five o'clock uh, uh, local time. Five or six, and, yeah. Yeah, and you would be you would be at home by now, Nelson, or you'd be in your your office still. Where would you? No, be? I, usually by then I'm on about the 16th hole. <laughs> yeah, that's um, right. yeah. No, I, I happen to actually be in the building. I for some reason. For some reason. What? For hoping reason. Ho- hoping to be a filling guest or? Yeah. Yeah, you're always hoping for that. So yeah, the. Uh, uh, it, but I saw you a lot with your feet up on the desk and other guys did it too. And, you know, it, it, when we were doing music radio way back when it was the same yeah, thing, you know, sure. the, the music's on, you get all your next stuff lined up, ready to go and feet go up on the desk and you fire up a butt. So um, at some point in time, I labeled you as the idiot program director. Yes. Do you have any recollection of, of that? Um, of being because, called the idiot program director? No, well, of, of the whole um, evolution of that. And, you know, I used to get asked, you know, isn't Nelson mad that you call him that? And I said, no, he's my pal. And he knows it's, it's done in jest and I'm not being serious about it. But you kind of took that, that as a, um, a badge of honor somehow. 
Well, it wasn't, yeah, I mean, yes, a badge of honor. Uh, part of it was, you know, you had how many, ever hundreds of thousands of people listening in their car coming home. I may have exaggerated that. Um, and at the end of the day, they all, not all of them, but most of them probably didn't like their boss. And it gave you another connection to the audience that you could go on the air and, and, and rip me a new one. Um, it's showbiz. We were in showbiz, and it kind of came with the territory. I, I, it never, it never offended me. Um, it, it was just part of the act, as far as I was concerned. And we're in showbiz. You got to put on a show. But, but there were two. There really were at that point two sets of rules: a set of rules for Bob, and then a set of rules for everybody else. Correct? No. You don't think so? The rules may have been a little different with Bob, but that came down to the relationship we had, the kind of show he did, what his character was, and which at the end of the day is not that much different than than real Bob, but with a, with a much sharper edge. Um, but the other guys, the morning show, they, they'd all rip me. Marsden was on me all the time. It was part of it's part of the show. So if it's another way for people who are in their cars or listening at whatever, wherever they are, to emotionally bond with the host, that's how you build audience. That's how you build listener habit. So it was never, you know, it was never personal. I never, I never took it personally. Frankly, I didn't care. What are the ratings and are we making any money? Did you ever get mad? I mean, at me or at something I said or a reference that I made? Off air? Or on air? No, well, on air particularly. I think the audience really is more. Yeah, I think you know there were probably there were probably times where um, I, I was frustrated, perhaps with direction you took versus direction I thought we should go with some of the guest choices. You know, not not huge things. I wouldn't say I was ever mad, but I, I think part of building um, a show is being able to to look at it and say that you know, okay, that worked. That didn't work, and and we we always talked about it. You know me. If I thought oh, yeah. something didn't work, we 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 talked about it. Did you get mad at me? Did I get mad at you? Mostly just during negotiations. Um, no, always during negotiations. Occasionally, <laughs> um, other times, but 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 shockingly, not many. No, I, you know what? As I look back, and it's it's been a few years. Um, no, you know, and and the memory tends to remember good things, not. Not, not, not those kind of things anyways, but I never, I could never hold a grudge with anybody because as I said, it was all part of the act and we've all got flaws and, you know, none of us are perfect. And if we can't accept each other's with flaws, then we're never going to, we're never going to get along. Did I get frustrated? Yeah. Sometimes with, you would dig your heels in and I would dig my heels in. Yeah. Ultimately I came back to with the experience that we had on the radio, you know, 90% of the time, if the, the host or the producer was making a call, I, I'd say, okay, fine. That's, you know, that's your job. Um, now, now to make it pay off. Well, actually you, you, you touched on something about uh, whether you, you did or didn't like a guest or a, a, a way the conversation was going. How, how patient could you be or how patient were you uh, not necessarily in the short term of a single program, but over a period of time to say, okay, listen, I, I've, 
I didn't like it then. I don't like it now. Or I did like it then. I didn't like it then. And I like it now. It, it, was there a time frame you always allowed yourself to make those decisions? Uh, you know, that, John, that was probably more of an, uh, an emotional decision. As you talk about things, you know, that job is, is a bit like being a coach. Hmm. Um, at some point, somebody's got to take the step back, look at it from top down and say, don't do that some more. Um, not everything works. And, you know, the, the, I think the, um, the people that make advances are the ones that can accept that feedback. It was never about my ego. I tried not to make it about my ego, <laughs> but it was about what's the best thing for the radio station, what's the best thing for the audience. Um, and of course, you're going to have differences of opinion. Bob's going to come at it from one perspective. I'm going to come at it from another. John, you know, you, you dealt with enough um, great broadcasters to know that sometimes those guys dig their heels in, those guys, and I'm pointing at Bob, but as often as not, you know, maybe they were right. Well, the t if you're talking about management styles, is the I, I was and I was taught this a long time ago that if you didn't like the way things were going, you had to challenge the people to make it with their with their own ideas, and yeah. make it and make it look like it was their idea, not yours. I would never say that in front of Bob. <laughs> Too late. I don't. I don't. I don't give a crap what you say anymore. No, I know. But yeah, absolutely. I didn't care that much when I when we were working together, but I care even less now. You understand? No, no, I get that. I get that completely. Okay. But there were times and I'll use Bob as the example because we're sitting here talking about him. Um, is he in the room? Uh, no, surprisingly, it, it, uh, <laughs> you know, I, if I needed Bob to do something, I had an approach to get him from where I knew he would start to where I needed him to finish. Because if you walked in and said, Bob, don't do this. The first thing he does on the air is saying, I've been told I'm not supposed to do this. <laughs> Am I right? I, I found that out early on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we never did that again. So, um, but, but everybody responds differently to advice, stimulus, feedback. And the key to being, a, you know, what I hope I was a good manager was to figure out what turned people's cranks and, and, and how to get them motivated. And how to get them to understand what I was trying to, you know, what I was trying to do. Well, and I'm not saying this because you're sitting here, because um, I don't play that game. But you weren't a good manager. You were the best I ever uh, dealt with. Oh, my goodness. And I, I say that in, with, with all sincerity. I mean, um, and I, my, my thought process is that Nelson left me alone. But the truth of the matter is, he didn't really. He just knew how to talk and I can't say about this about the other talent because I was never in the room, but he, he knew how to push the buttons and, and um, he got me to do what he wanted to do. I think most of the time, but not by telling me really what to do. And well, um, there's a talent to that. I used to, uh, you know, people would say, oh, does Bob really come in your office every day, at, you know, 10 minutes before the show? I said, yeah, he does. And you know, what if I wasn't in a meeting or yeah. really had, almost virtually anything else to do. Um, I was in the office. Um, but if he didn't leave my office either laughing, mad at me, or in some other way kind of emotionally stirred up, then, you know, I, I think that was an impetus for him to go on the air and be his, uh, you know, be who he is. Is that fair, well, Bob? Yeah, I think there's some truth in that. You know, I certainly wasn't aware of it at the time. I know. But um, 
you know, looking back, I think there's some, there's some truth in that. I, um, I'm in the, I think, you know, and, and John knows, but I, I, I think some of the audience knows I'm in the middle of a move. Well, I'm not in the middle of it. I'm in preparing for the move. The move happens next week. And so cleaning all this crap out of this place has been an ordeal. But earlier today, I was digging through one of the drawers in my office, and I found crap that I did. I totally, like 10, 15, 20-year-old stuff. I have no idea why I kept it, but I did. And now my recycle bin and my garbage bin are both full. So uh, City of Toronto needs, needs to help me and empty all this stuff as soon as possible, because I got lots more crap to put in there. I'm sure they're on their way even as we speak. But I found an article in, um, oops, for the camera. I'm in sure the they're on Mail. their way. I'm sure they're on their way. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully. Uh, I'll call Tori if they're not. Um, it's from the Globe and Mail. So, oh, Jesus. I'm You're good at this. You're good at Globe this. Camera left. Uh, July 4th, 2015. Um, article about the show and me, uh, written by Dave Schultz who at that time was a friend of mine and later became an enemy for reasons that I can't explain, but he wrote a bunch of crap about me. I don't know why he got mad at me, but he did. Um, and well, we, ne we never did pay him when he was on the air. So that's probably well, he actually says in the article that he did get paid. Oh, okay. He sure actually he says in the, in, it's interesting. Yeah, he, may, he, he may have, we may have had that deal at, at one time or another. Well, whatever. Regardless. Uh, the only thing that pisses me off is that's less money that I could get. But nonetheless. Oh, oh, um, uh, oh, excuse me. Excuse me. Yeah, well, it wasn't that much. I, uh, yeah. I survived without it. I think you were making about 50 bucks a show, something like that. Me? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, overpaid. Something like that. <laughs> but it references the beginnings of um, the show. And I want to take you back a little bit to that. The, 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 not, not the beginnings of the show. Well, essentially, the beginnings of the show were, were simultaneous with the beginnings of sports radio, pretty much. I remember I was programming a station in London, CJBK, mm -hmm. and that would have been 1989. Yep. And, uh, and my bud, Alan Davis and, and, and Paul Williams, uh, who were running, uh, overseeing the telemedia radio network at the time, um, when I got to London, I decided we should get uh, Blue Jays baseball and, and Leafs hockey as part of our evening programming. Um, it was an AM station, you know, still is. And um, Alan and uh, Paul came out and uh, Leslie Nelson did a pitch for this show, Primetime Sports. So I think it had already been on the air in Toronto for a year, maybe. And 80, then it got 88, summer of yeah. 88. So I think we we probably took uh, started taking the show in late '89, maybe early 1990, um, and that was you know the, really the beginnings of the network. And I remember them saying to me, "You guys, this station is the last one we need for the network." And it turns out we were the first one for the network. So they outright lied, but I took the show anyway because I had a, you know a bit of a, a vision for we had a bit of a vision for what that station was going to be. So that's you know that's the beginning kind of my first uh, exposure so then you ultimately come in in but not as program director of the fan what, what was your original role i came in as program director of the network um in march of uh of 92 uh 
first day on the job, I flew to spring training. Nice. I, I've died and gone to heaven. I'm never giving this job up. <laughs> um, and um, Alan went uh, went from the network down to the radio station because they were separate entities. At that time, it was still CJCL and playing various pieces of music that um, were allegedly hits. Um, and he, he started the um, transition to, to, the, to the fan at the, at the time. And I stayed at the network and programmed, um, essentially oversaw primetime sports, Blue Jays baseball, um, Leafs hockey, a number of other uh, projects. Do you remember how many stations were on the network? back in the, like at, at its peak, like how many stations across the country would have carried Blue Jays baseball, Maple Leaf hockey? There were, I think we hit 55 stations across the country carrying baseball. Um, the Leafs were on a regional network. We couldn't go outside of Ontario. Mm -hmm. We still had, I want to say 35 stations, uh, you know, it was a, a bunch of mom and pops and little markets, smaller markets, but they were all part of the network. Uh, primetime sports, I think, at its peak was... 25. 25, yeah. I was going to yeah. say somewhere between 25 and 30. Yeah. Including Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan. And then Bob yes. could then say across the country in the United States and Canada. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I always remember that. But we had stations, John, uh, as Nelson will attest, that did have significant reach into the U.S. Oh, we had yeah. a whole bunch of border stations. Uh, I think the big... Big eight yeah, the big yeah. CKLW. Yeah, and uh, we were on in uh, Niagara. Yeah, we had we had programming on in Niagara. Um, the Vancouver, we never because of the time the time zones. Uh, ultimately, we did get the six to seven hour primetime sports on out west, but they they take delayed it, which yeah was a little awkward because you know at that time we were doing shows you know pregame shows and by the time or pregame discussions. Um, and by the time they aired out west, of course, the, the game, game was on. It was on. Yeah. Or maybe even over. And we kept the, you know, the, the network was strong for, for a long time. I mean, the, the, the strike and, uh, and, and walkout, lockout in the 94 certainly changed things for not just the network, but for the station. But by that time, we'd combined the radio station and the mm -hmm. network. The network was a whole separate entity, whole separate um, business. So correct me if I'm wrong. We went through strike slash lockouts in baseball and hockey. I don't know if it was the same time or literally back to back, wasn't it? Was it? Back to back. Baseball I mean, we, was out and, and hockey didn't start. Yeah, That's we right. went like a year, almost a year or more than a year. Yeah, it was, exactly. it was pretty close to that. It was, with, you know, I, with your two biggest sports and your two biggest play-by-play -play properties because we carried both of those things mm -hmm. so your evening programming was messed up and your points of discussion were very limited because there was nothing going on well except that you, you ended up becoming labor lawyers every day well uh, it's true now nelson if you if you were to start a not to suggesting there isn't going to be one starting up soon but if, if you were to start an all sports radio station how much how important is having play-by-play well, honestly, I'm not sure it started an all sports radio station at this point. Oh, well, that's but, a, well, that's a topic. We're going to have that topic a, a little later. A separate discussion. But, but you know, at the end of the day, the the play by play is what you build your team with. That brings your customers into the store, and then the objective is to convert those listeners to come back the next morning. I mean, it's 
it's not you know, rocket surgery, as they say. Um, so you, the play-by-play -play gives you a conversion rate, and hopefully you, you build audience from there. The one thing I will say is though that year we didn't have sports is when we became a really good talk radio station. You know, because if the guys couldn't, if, if guys all at that time couldn't go on the air and be great communicators, uh, we were going to die a slow, painful death. So... I know the interesting thing about about play by play, just to interject, we talked about this often. The radio station, principally AM radio, talk radio is a car vehicle. Um, yes, it is. You, you, you'll get some people who will listen to it in their homes, but essentially you're getting them when they're going to work and when they're when they're going home and in the day if they're in their car for some reason, you might get them there. But the radio station, when they turn the car off in the driveway at night, if your radio station is on, it's still going to be on the next morning. And that, I think, is what Nelson is sort of referring to. <laughs> so the more, the more audience you can give them in the evening when they park their car for the last time, the greater chance you can build your momentum the next day. And hopefully they just leave it there. Right. And you build promotional elements into the game so that again drives tuning, you know, drives tuning hopefully to the uh, uh, to the next I'm day. Not sure, I'm not sure you answered my question though. Um, what was the question? If you play by play, play by play is important to, but with rights fees what they are now, yeah, with the expenses up until you know the pandemic when everybody's kind of sitting in their in their living room doing stuff. Um, I don't know how you financially make that work anymore. With all of the fragmentation, um, and you know, honestly, nobody goes in the house and turns on the radio unless there's a very, very specific reason. Mm. And you know, in the '90s, Bob, when we launched the station, keep in mind there were only 81 games on uh, Blue Jays games on TV. Yeah. And every year, Paul Beeson would say, "I want 162 on TV," and I'd say. All, all you're really doing there, not that radio is, you know, radio is the medium, um, is devaluing what their radio property is worth. Play-by-play -play on the radio is a service for people who can't be in front of the TV. Sure. Well. So, so John, to answer the question, um, from a, a potential audience perspective, play-by-play -play is important. Yeah. From a business perspective, it's... You know, it's it's a bit of a different because uh... because if you if you look at the the latest group of cuts and they were the the Bell Media cuts where they they removed literally removed three all sports radio stations for all intents and purposes um, they were the they were the 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 stations in big in Winnipeg Hamilton uh, Vancouver that didn't have hockey play by play. That's right. And the ones that did have hockey play by play, Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, stayed. And I just, and yet I would tell you that the, like, for instance, the programming in Vancouver, and, and I like the guys, in, I like the guys in Vancouver, and a lot of them have gone on to some pretty good success on alternate mediums. Uh, they had really good programming, and yet it didn't survive without that hockey play by play. Yeah, I suspect the reason the station folded had nothing to do with whether they had hockey play-by-play. Frankly, the, the fan was a better radio station, a more successful radio station without play-by-play. -play. 
Right. And honestly, when the when the leaf rights went from the fan over to at the time, I want to say Mojo, but it was AM six forty, anyways. Um, three years after that, the perception was the fans still had the rights. Why? Because yeah. we 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 continued to hammer that position. Right. And we were home of the leaf fan. We were home, we were home of the leaf fan. Yeah. We were Toronto sports radio. We you know we 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 did all those things right mm -hmm. at the time. And frankly, the station thrived because we also didn't have, you know, millions of dollars in expenses related to play by play. And from an editorial perspective, did it did it free you up? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, you know, at the time we weren't really that even when we had the rights. No, um, I know. Well, Bob, yeah, I, I don't think no, Bob, you know, I mean, uh, I didn't want people to go on the air and lie. Um, I don't think we kowtowed. I, I don't ever, you know, I don't think we ever had the discussion. You, you can't say this about the Blue Jays or you can't say that about the Leafs because um, the audience would know and our first responsibility was to the audience. So I got a couple of things um, that I don't really, I actually don't know the answer to. Um, the Rogers owned the Toronto Blue Jays Rogers owned um, a piece of MLSE. In the case of the Blue Jays, how did the rights fee payment work? Do you have any idea? Was that a yes. left pocket, right pocket deal? Uh, yes and no. I mean, there are two separate budget lines. So each business had to operate independently. Um, there was uh, what you know. We 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 didn't have what they call an arm's length agreement. Um, we we you know Rogers couldn't undervalue the rights because all of that money went into revenue share. Mm -hmm. So you know there was a, there was a company there was a company that MLB used that essentially valued what the rights uh, should be. Um, so no, I mean, did it go from left pocket to right pocket? Sure, under the guys of you know rogers incorporated um but it was two separate two separate budget lines uh, budget items and and as far as the the fan and mlse it was two it was always viewed as a separate company so the the deals had to be done completely independently well not <laughs> to mention that with mlse you know you've got two owners that both own media outlets, so there yeah. had to be well, Some proper but even distribution of, of dollars and rights. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But even before that, when when I mean Nelson and I actually did a deal, uh, we, we did a contract uh, to carry for the for the fan to carry Raptors. Mm -hmm. uh, in I think two thousand and gosh, I was going to say two thousand three or two thousand four. That sounds about right. Yeah, and it was Is it, was that the deal that I got all those seatbacks? Uh, yeah, 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 you did that. Yeah, yeah you got seatbacks. That was pretty good. You liked that deal, huh? Love that deal. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I had I had certain I had certain equity to deal with. I was given a, a pot full of a, a list of things that I could sell sell you. It wouldn't cost us anything, and, and it it saved perceived some money. Value, yeah. Perceived value, yeah. Perceived value, sure. It, and know, it was it was great perceived value for the radio station. And yeah, at the time, the you know the Raptors weren't you know they, they were starting to 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 be a team. But they've had their challenges and, you know, they were on CFRB for a few years. And, and so when we got the rights, it was, okay, well, 
how much are you going to pay us to carry the games? <laughs> uh, we we got a we actually have sponsors on this program. We got yeah, we have to take a break. Oh, and... good. So I can invoice you for the time. No, excellent. No, you can't. Well, you can invoice. Yeah, uh, it will get lost. Uh, back with Nelson Millman after these messages. We're with our pal Nelson Millman, the program director, former program director of the fan. Uh, I was the also the general manager and the vice president and shoes repaired while you wait. Who gives a shit, you know? Um, I used to. Um, were you around for the, I, I'm, you, you'll forgive me because I can't remember the time frame. In my mind, when I was there, you were always there. But um for the commencement of the unholy alliance, the um, the merger of um, um, Bell and Rogers in MLSE. Uh, yes, but I think it was right at the tail end. I, I don't remember what year they did that. It would have been Oof. well. The unholy alliance started with the Olympics, twenty ten, Vancouver Olympics in twenty ten. Yeah, but I don't know, John. You you might know when. Uh, wow. When that deal came together, I, it may have been after that. It may have been. It was after that because could Google that it, was more of a right share kind of thing. And that was sort of Pelly's initiative, I think, to try and find a home for everything. I think I think MLSE was put together before 2010. I bet we could find out. Well, we should know, but three dum-dums but there's 180 years sitting here at least so well, so yeah so let's but here's where i want to get to Th that was sort of the precursor of it there came a time and i i don't remember exactly when it was when it was also decided that maple leaf hockey and raptors basketball would be split between the fan and tsn radio i believe i had already left so i left when you said you left, you actually walked down the you walked down the hall to go to television, right? Yeah, yeah, across the bridge. All right, so I won't ask you. Uh, well, I'll ask. Would you have done that deal? That deal never made any sense to me. Splitting, it, it, uh, splitting the rights and splitting yeah. the games. No, God, it, it drove me crazy. I did come back for a short period of time in between other program directors that you got rid of, um, and. Um, I remember having to go through with my pal, uh, my pal Jeff McDonald at, uh, at TSN. Um, who's getting what game, and how do you split them up? And because we also, uh, with Leafs and Raptors, we also had the Blue Jays mixed in there in uh, the fall and in the spring. So it was quite a, it was quite a dance, but it drove me crazy. I, I just, you have to own something, and. You can't own half of something. I'll tell you, I have—I I don't know about you, uh, Shannon, but that one was the most, there have been a lot of puzzling things that I've seen in the broadcast industry over the years, but that one made absolutely no sense to me. It doesn't work for the audience. It doesn't work for the station. You got two radio stations calling it the voice of the Leafs and the voice of the Raptors simultaneously, and they're competitive radio stations. To, to even to give a couple of games, a few games here and there. And Nelson, we went through this a lot where we had conflicts. Yeah, and I did deals with AM640. I did deals with CJZ. I did deals with whoever I could. 680 carried some, some games, games occasionally, didn't they? So who's that? 680. 680 did not carry games while I was there. 
Oh, I think they they wound up carrying a few at some point in time. I'm quite certain. Maybe in 2015, I think when the Jays went to the playoffs. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe then. But when I was there, uh, 680 was just the pure news wheel, and we're not breaking that up. Yeah. In any event, I mean, I mean, I was, I'm intrigued. I, I will continue to be intrigued by the genesis of that, that, that deal. Who did it and why they did it. Well, the deal was done at the top level. I mean, sure it, it had nothing to do with whoever the program director was. That that wasn't going to be his call, and um, that was the one that came down from the uh, ivory tower. That was that was George Cope and Nadir Muhammad cutting a deal that said, yeah. "You get fifty percent of the content, we get fifty percent of the content." Yeah. And 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 it's it's interesting. You you talk about how it doesn't work for radio. It has always been that way on television. You know, you know, for, for at least in our country, uh, where that there has always been two packages of of games, one on one channel and one on the other. Because TV channels are habitual. Radio channels are yeah. habitual. Yeah, I, uh, I suspect that's why. You know, uh, it's a, it is it's as simple as that. People don't tune to television for the station. They tune for the show. Whereas radio, you're tuning into the station for the most part. There's obviously yeah. people in and out for specific shows, but it's just a, a different philosophy in terms of attracting the holding audience. It, that, that leads me to ask the question, dude, what, what was the biggest difference between running radio and you went on to be a, a senior manager uh, at Sportsnet for all? What was the biggest difference? A spectacularly uh, unsuccessful and short television career. Um, no, I the biggest so. difference was um, just the, the workflow, how you get things done. And, you know, on the radio station, if I wanted something on the air, I could have it on the air the next day. Uh, television, I, I was hoping for September. Um, it, it, you know the process to create a television show. And, um, you know, my, my background was all radio. So I had, to, I had to deal with some personal frustration in terms of workflow. How do we get from point A to point B to point C? What do you mean I have to start planning a show four months, six months in advance? Um, uh, and then, you know, finding the budget for it, et cetera, et cetera. Do you believe that still? Do you believe that that be, I mean, that's a level of bureaucracy that I think a lot of people, their eyes would roll. Do you believe that, that that's still the case in television? Uh, you know, I have no idea. I mean, I think the, uh, you mean in terms of getting from point A to point B or? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, probably. I mean, TV is, it, it's easier now given technology. Right. You know, five years ago, did we think that Dan Schulman would be sitting in his living room or wherever he is uh, doing Olympic basketball and Blue Jays baseball? No, right. never occurred to anybody to do that uh, for television. You know, radio for years has been, you know, people have been in way different, mar you know, much different markets than where their show might be. So, yeah, I think so. I mean, and, and are they creating new programming? Um, and again, that's the difference between, you know, TV and radio. You have to keep the, the, the radio content fresh. You reprogram it every day. Television, you spend three, four months building a show, putting it together, creating however many episodes or, or, or a daily show. And um, it's just a much different, as I said, much different workflow. Uh, turn the clock back a little bit, just speak to, for reference. Our uh, technical director, Hugh, um, informs me that the unholy alliance between Rogers and Bell happened in 2012. Okay. Wow. 
just to put it in context. Thank was, you, Hugh. I taught him well, didn't I? Yeah, you did. Yes, and Nelson was his instructor at the uh, Crummy Broadcast School. No, that, the College of Sports Media. Yeah, whatever it's called. <laughs> um, that uh, that Nelson worked at. Are you still working there? You still do stuff there? No. You know what? I live up here. They fire here. you there too? No, they didn't. Well, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I got fired once in my life. No. Once in a 45-year career, I got fired once. Well, get in line. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I may have uh, I may have quit just just ahead of that in a couple of places. <laughs> <laughs> you can't fire me, I quit. Shannon, is that the joint you're working on? Yeah, I do there. I work there too. All right. Yeah, yeah. Every once in a while, they're they're a good college. Yeah, they, they, they and they've they've put out a, a few quality people that are on the air across the country. Bunch of them doing Olympics. Yeah. Well, somebody's got to do it. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, anyway. we, one of the things we wanted to talk about, which we haven't discussed at all, and I don't know how much we, you know, we'll, we'll start this conversation and maybe finish it at another time, but um, so when, you, when you, when you fill in again, that's right. Yes. The future of, uh, of sports radio, I don't think it's really in jeopardy, although, uh, it's not what it was five years ago and certainly not what it was 10 years ago. And it isn't because P I don't think it's because people have gotten bored with it. Um, but things have changed. I mean, technology has changed. Shows like this that I didn't know anything about a year ago until I started doing it um, have, have changed people's habits to a great extent. Uh, there are more people listening to podcasts now than ever before. There's more money being generated by podcasts than ever before. It's a program that you can do remotely as we are doing here, three guys sitting in their own houses at the same time, talking to each other, looking at each other. And this fa the face-to-face -face aspect of it is not insignificant. Uh, I always said I'd rather have people in studio when we were doing the radio TV show than have them on the phone. Mm -hmm. And then we went to um, Skype a few times, and that was a technological nightmare, but it was the beginning of mm -hmm. what we have now, Zoom and, and the other services like we had. Where is this going? Where is sports radio going, in your opinion? Well, it's funny you mentioned the Skype thing because when I was at Sportsnet, I was jumping up and down trying to convince people that we could bring people on from anywhere via Skype. Right. Um, and towards the end of my, my tenure there, we, we started to, to dabble in it. Um, Listen, I think, and I've said this all along, you know, when people ask me the question, I, I think it's going to have to find what its level is inside all the fragmentation. You know, you said it's not what it was five years ago, Bob. It's not what it was two years ago. Well, okay. Um, and that comes down to how people are consuming media these days more than anything else. Not to mention that an in-car format Um doesn't work if people weren't in their cars. Now it's starting to come back. I have no idea what ratings look like for uh, for radio. Um, I think they have the same challenges in the U.S., but it may be um, a little easier down there because sports is so life and death to <laughs> excuse yeah. the expression these days to people in the U.S. Canada sports is a pastime. Um, we're down there. They live and you know they live and die for it. Um, but I think you know it will survive. It may not be 
you know, certainly what it was, it may not have the star power that it used to have. Um, and as long as, uh, you know, people are in their cars, they, I think that local, hyper local feel to what's being done uh, um, on the radio should bring, should keep that audience there. I want to hear nothing except the Leafs. I want to hear nothing except the Jays. And as the Jays get closer to the playoffs or the Leafs, you know, you can't read enough, see enough or hear enough. So uh, radio will still be, you know, in that pecking order. Um, but you're right. Lots of people, you know, the guys that left the Vancouver station, excuse me, um, <clears throat> have, uh, have created an online radio station, basically. Yeah. Um, they're live, they take calls, they, you know, they've got it figured out. Everybody can be their own radio station now. So, you know, as any business has to evolve and evaluate what's working, what isn't working, radio is doing the same thing, but nobody knows where, where it's going to go yet. I certainly don't. Well, um, can I answer the question? No. Well, you answered the question in, in, in a, by saying you don't know, um, and that's a fair answer yeah. because I sure don't. But the appetite, the appetite of the of the the appetite of the sports fan has not diminished, has it? No. So 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 what is what is diminished is is that you have so many different ways to to listen to what you want to listen to. When you want to listen to it. When you want to listen to it. Or when you want to watch it. Yeah. So that's all part of, you know, how all of these platforms are evolving. Um, I, I, again, I think if, if you're looking for interaction, you go to radio. If you're looking for one-way communication, you go to podcasts. So well, if you were doing an all-sports radio station, you'd take a lot more calls? I think I would. I mean, we were called the fan for a reason. But you didn't take many phone calls in your time. Yeah, you know what? We we evolved, but we created specific times because as time wore on, the, the call out be, was, um, you know, when I say call it, getting guests on hmm. was a big part of what we did. Um, people always said the weakest part, you know, the weakest part of sports radio is the calling. Well, not if you have a great host. Frankly, the weakest part of Bob's show uh, every day was not four to five. I don't mean the well at the end the last couple of years I only did calls on Fridays right like people forget but I that mean, was as much by choice as anything else there was, it was totally by choice no research or uh, uh, or reason beyond Bob's taking fifty thousand phone calls I doesn't want to do that no more well that was essentially it and you know I had this phrase I used to use all the time in fact I was on with Humble and Fred on their podcast about a week or two ago and. Humble threw it out at me because he remembered that I'd said it on air. And that was, if the callers were any good, they'd have their own show. Exactly. And, but what it did is it stimulated discussion. And, well, well, and, yeah. and especially with you, you didn't have many discussions with people. There were a few guys, the regulars that came on that you'd have conversations with. Well, but yeah, you know. The, no, the, I didn't have conversations hardly with anybody. Yeah. They would ask a question, then I'd say whatever I wanted to say. 
whether with it answered people, the question or not. With most people, but yeah. occasionally you did, and to say you didn't would be a lot. So, by, by the way, those those sports conversations and what those all of those conversations on any radio station now have just migrated to social media. That's all 100%. migrated. That's migrated exactly to right. people can sit in their basements, or as Jay Feaster, the general manager of the Calgary Flames at the time, said, "Listen, there's a guy, there's a 13 year old in his underwear in his basement creating rumors about my team." And so you can be comfortable in who you are, what you are, where you are, and have that conversation, that argument, that dissertation um, on social media anytime you want. But the calls were always nothing more than a platform for the host. No matter which host it was, the call comes in, should we trade uh, John Oliver for Joe DiMaggio? Should we make that trade? <laughs> and, then, and then the host would take it from there. Um, and I, D- I DiMaggio... DiMaggio was 86 at the time, and he couldn't didn't hit matter. No, didn't yeah, matter. Sorry. There was still a discussion. <laughs> I tell people this all the time, and I may get the names wrong. Bob was taking calls one day, and, and I keep saying it was Peter Forsberg who was going to get traded to Nashville or whatever it was. And, and a guy called, somebody called and said, yeah, Bob, blah, blah, blah. If they make that trade, who at Nashville do you think winds up on the outside? And I'm thinking, God bless Bob, but. My guess is he hasn't memorized the roster for the Nashville Predators. <laughs> but Bob did what great talk show hosts do. He took that and he started talking about how coaches make decisions about who should play or who shouldn't play and did 10 minutes without ever once mentioning the call or the Nashville Predators for that matter. There you go. Yeah. And that's what that's what calls do. They stimulate. They're, they're there to uh illuminate the host opinion all right uh we want to i want to wrap this up but i tell you what i want to do and 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 this speaks to you making another appearance on this program oh my god at some point in time (laughs) i feel like there are and i'm sure there are and 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 john you'll remember this i know nelson will periodically not that often but periodically i'd bring nelson and open the phone sure sure and they were always jammed people wanted to talk to the guy who was essentially they thought making the decisions. The idiot well, program it director. It, it the, wasn't me personally. It was the, the idiot program director. We all know better. Yeah, okay. Don't try and scam these people. They're too smart for you. <laughs> but um, now we've carried on a 45 minute or whatever it is conversation here, which is intriguing to us. But I, I, my guess is that our audience has questions about sports radio, things that Nelson has gone through, things that they remember that happened, um, their thoughts about the future. That, that they would like to know answers to. So what I'd like to do is um, we're going to figure out a way that people can send us questions and we'll have you back in at some point in the not too distant future to answer those questions. Would you do that? Sure. There's an easy way to do that on the, on your, on your Twitter account, Bob, just to send out, uh, we're going to have Nelson Millman on hashtag ask Nelson. I, I was going to uh, give out uh, his home phone number. I thought that might be. <laughs> Go ahead. I had it disconnected. Go. It's already been disconnected. Yeah, I also know yourself. I don't give a crap about that. <laughs> uh, 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 well, yes. uh, sure. You do that. Okay. I'll do it on my Twitter, but you got to do it on yours too, Shannon, with all of your followers. Yeah. Okay. I have 206 followers. There's no point in my doing it. Actually, I, I just, I, actually, I just, uh, I deleted you. It's 205. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, well, there goes my them. chance of the blue check mark. You know how many people I follow on Twitter? You follow one now, and I think it's yourself. No, you follow uh, one. 
You followed Obama for a while. I don't know if you still doing that. Well, Obama followed me, and I oh, thought right. Obama, Obama didn't follow you. Give 100%, me a hundred percent. Give me a break. Now he followed six hundred and forty thousand people, but oh, he followed please. me. No, but he followed please. you specifically. He Never did. mind those other six hundred thirty-nine thousand. <laughs> that's, that's right. I am following. Oh my! One. Oh, I'm following myself. That's right. You're following your uh, the podcast. podcast. Because you don't know when you tweet. Delete that right away. Oh, if I can, okay. only if I we can got, figure out how. We got to go because we got to get ready for the questions. All right. So All right. Uh, people can uh, uh, check Twitter, um, check John's site or my site, and questions for Nelson. And uh, as soon as we accumulate enough, like three. We'll have you back. Three. I can't imagine. We can make that a trending hashtag. I don't know what that means. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have my wife make up two questions to get three. (laughs) My wife doesn't have three questions for me. I'll tell you how hard it is to assimilate what we are actually doing here. I was inclined to just go to my Twitter account and see how many questions we had already, but nobody's seen this episode yet. We (laughs) pre-recorded. Well. That's because you think it's Thursday. <laughs> what a maroon. <laughs> what? You know what? You are a maroon. I That's am a maroon. Funny. That is funny. All right. Get lost. <laughs> How's your golf nothing. game? Oh, uh, my goodness you know, I saw 112 today. Attaboy. So good. I don't know. You were a pretty good putter on Monday. Yeah, that was fun. That was that was a... a oh, another Scott, golf date I didn't get invited to. You know, it was Scott Morrison's uh, tournament that he's had for the past 13 years in memory yeah, of his late wife. Okay. Yeah, right. And um, the lovely... Well, uh, Nelson lovely Nelson and I had a great deal of fun together. I'm... I, With Sam. With Sam. Sam's a big Bob. still stopped talking. And, and Sam's a huge Bob fan. He is a huge Bob fan. When did you, uh, when did you play Monday? Yeah. I'm a little surprised you're finished already. It's only three days later between you two choppers. I would imagine oh, it would have taken you for oh, several yeah. nights. Yeah, you're not wrong, but that's not nice. It's not. Nice. All right, that's enough. We'll insult each other more later. Goodbye. Love you, Nelson. Goodbye. See you, boys. The former program director of The Fan, among other things, Nelson Millman, back after these messages. Uh, we're back. And our thanks to Nelson Millman for uh, pinch hitting. Okay. Do us. you know how to use hashtags? Not really. Okay, so, well. Well, I put the hashtag and then something, like Ask Nelson, right? Yeah, yeah. It, when, you, when you tweet out this edition of the podcast, yeah. just say, we're going to have Nelson on again. So if you have a question that Nelson may enjoy or you may want an answer to, attach the question with the hashtag Ask Nelson. And what does the hashtag do? Well, then, you can, then all we have to do is then we, all we do is go search the hashtag. And all the questions will come up. Oh, that's easy. Yeah, very easy. I'm trying to make it easy for easier for you. Well, you'll have to work at that because um, (laughs) I don't know. For some reason, post the the, 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 your nickname, the Bobcat, is is much easier than the King of Social Media. Well, I would never be considered the King of Social Media. Okay, can assure you of that. Hashtag Ask Nelson. All right, that's what we're going to do. So if you got a question for Nelly or about sports radio or about the fan or, you know, anything else you can think of. Yeah, um, not about his golf game, though. Yeah, and, and, and it'll be good because it'll be the audience asking the questions, not, not a couple of insiders like you and I who've known this guy for uh, 30 yeah. years or whatever. Yeah. All right, uh, off we go.
uh, go Blue Jays. They won 13 out of 17 and mm -hmm. have gained hardly any ground. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's remarkable. Only on the Boston Red Sox. But see what Red Sox did last night? They scored yeah, up 20 on the Tampa Bays. It's uh, the, the American League East and the American League wildcard are crazy. They're crazy. It's, I, it looks like it's going to be an interesting September. As we, Dave uh, Perkins told us one day, so. it's going to go down to the last series. I think the last series uh, in Toronto, I think it's the Yankees. I think it is. I was yeah. just going to say. Yeah. We shall see. Every night's um, an interesting night. Uh, thank you all for uh, listening, watching, and uh, come back again tomorrow. We'll have something for you. God knows what. Might be good. Might not be. <laughs> you get paid the same either way. For John Shannon, Bob McCowan, 